Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, I'm Jenny. This is Rookie Movie Reviews. You darn tootin'. Darn tootin'. We are watching the top 100 movies of all time as chosen by fans on IMDb. And today we watched Rear Window. Yes, another Hitchcock classic. Hitchcock classic. <laughs> Jenny, what do you think of Rear Window? Gotta say, this has to be one of the top 100 movies of all time. Fantastic. How how connected to Hitchcock are you? I'm not. No, no. Not much of a watcher. I have seen Psycho and some of his shorts. I always took him for a pants man. <laughs> I am in the same boat. I think I saw Psycho. Actually, I saw the remake of Psycho with Vince Vaughn because it was playing that, on TV once. Is that any good? No. It's bad. <laughs> it's from what I gather, it's very much disliked by the public. Because, you know, you don't need to remake it. Vince Vaughn is a love him or hate him kind of guy, I think. He's fine. Wow. I say he's fine, yeah. What about it? I love him. Wow. Just kidding, I hate him. So <gasps> wasn't it's not him. Who's in True Detective season two? It is Vince Vaughn. Oh, son of a gun. Who is Donut Man? In Full Metal Jacket. Gomer? That is Vince D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Yes. Is it D'Onofrio? Or is that just the street we turn on to get to REI? It is D'Onofrio. Okay. And That's why yes. it all rings bells. Vincent de apostrophe Onofrio. D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Yeah. Kingpin. I feel like we talk about Vincent D'Onofrio every single episode. No, it's fine. <laughs> is he in any of these movies besides Full Metal Jacket? Are we going to see him again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. If we do, it'll be an occasion. Mm. You know, freak out. Okay. So there actually is a remake of Rear Window called Disturbia starring Oh, fuck! It's, I, did, yeah, I did not know. I knew that movie. We should watch it. Yeah, we can. Except in this one, Shia LaBeouf is on house arrest. Oh, he's a criminal. He's a crime boy. Much bad. like he is in Holes. But in Disturbia, he's summoned to stay home and not to dig holes. Well, we can all relate. Can we? Because we're all at home. Oh. Not out not digging, digging holes. Yes. Yeah. Not searching for treasure or whatever. Okay. Or finding peaches in a can or something. Yeah. I have a, onions. Know, eating onions. Cutting our hands on shovels. Yeah, let's... I remember that Lizards. Scene. Poisonous lizards. Stanley, yell gnats. <laughs> this is a good one. This is a good one so far. Let's, uh, you want to talk about Rear Window? No, I want to talk about Disturbia. <laughs> You've startled her cat. Oh yeah, he's here again, but we'll see if he actually contributes this time. Maybe he'll rip up more wires. Um, I feel like I'm becoming a fan of how movies open, you know, before this whole hundred movie experiment thing, I had never really cared for the opening shots of a movie. It's just like, oh, a panning shot over a city Hot or something. Take. Hot take. But now we're seeing all these classics, rear window, the slow opening of the blinds of his back window, um... Pretty clever, in my opinion. You know, mm -hmm. ties right into the set. It did kind of go a little long. They didn't time out the opening blinds with the uh, credits. 
and finished a quarter of the way through the credits, and then we're just sitting there watching out the window, much like Jeff, who is sitting there with a broken leg at the start of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he broke his leg. We established that he's a photographer. He's a good photographer. We see some photos of a crashing car directly in front of him. And later on, they talk about how he broke his leg in a car crash. Getting that shot. And, oh, one other thing that I really liked about the opening here was that slow pan. Not only we look out the window, but we see every relevant neighbor. And we see them all come into their apartment. They're hanging out in their windows. We see the street, which is key for where you can see around. And then we get a slow pan of his apartment, too. So it's just a really effective first few minutes here. Yeah, I was worried you weren't going to talk about the life in the courtyard first because you jumped into Broken Leg. I think the establishing shot does a lot for the movie. I feel like this movie has the audience looking into the apartment quite frequently. But we also get the view of Jeff. So I think we're supposed to empathize with Jeff a lot. I don't want to, but we're getting a lot of the movie from his view. Uh-huh, 100%. And I think it's not controversial to say that Rear Window is such an efficient movie. It's so compact in just being in one apartment and looking out one window. You know, we never leave the apartment. It's just, just like right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's really crazy, and um, I didn't really notice that we haven't gone anywhere until like halfway through the movie, and then after that I started really appreciating it as it went on, and as it built those stakes up, so, yeah. What happens after this shot? Like, do we meet his maid? We do, but he gets a call from his publisher, question mark? Some guy. And he congratulates him for getting his cast off, and then Jeff's like, no. And he says mean words. <laughs> And it's one more week till he gets his cast off. And then Stella comes in. And they have this big old monologue about marriage. Yeah. We find out Jeff is super against marriage. And he's looking on at the Thorwalds. And he sees the husband go into the wife's bedroom because she's an invalid. And he talks about how the wife starts nagging. And like, oh, they don't nag anymore. They discuss. Yeah. And you can see her clearly nagging. So that's a narrative pushed by the movie. But. Yeah, the, it's got... It, it's very rooted in... It released in the 50s, 54. And it is from the 50s. They want you to just sympathize, like, as you said, with Jeff so much. But he is such a dick. He's mean to his publisher, which I kind of thought, oh, they're pals. They're just joking. And then Stella comes in. And it's in every single interaction, like later on in the movie, he says, oh, when you leave, get me those binoculars. And she hands him binoculars, and he just grunts. And it's like, say please and thanks, dude. Like, what a fucking dick. But, yeah, this, this whole marriage scene is just him really fancying himself a heroic adventurer. And it's annoying. Not to mention... Stella tells him, you're a young guy or something like that <laughs> as he's taking his shirt off. And he's a healthy guy, but he's clearly an old guy. He looks like he's at least in his late 40s, you know. But um, they argue about marriage. We learn of the character, uh, learn about this woman, Lisa, who's apparently very into Jeff. 
and she is so unlike him. You know, she she's smitten with him, but she's a socialite and cares about dresses and uh, New York City politics and all that shit. But uh, what's really going on around this conversation is that he's looking at his neighbors and he's looking into the courtyard, which is by far the best parts of the movie. The courtyard, the neighbors, and the mystery. The actual character building of Jeff, Lisa, I could do without all of it, you know? Well, the characters, <laughs> the characters that get built are really mean and weak. Yeah. Just shallow. Shallow, yeah. Uh, speaking of Lisa... She, Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. Is that the Mad TV character? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> uh, we oh, Yvonne! That's a French-ass name. Uh, we meet Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly, okay. Lisa, I won't do that every we, time. We meet Lisa uh, in the next scene. Yeah, and she's a paragon. She is in sales meetings. She gets cocktails at the noon hour. She models. She has to run 20 blocks to model different places. She writes columns. Yeah, she's basically telling Jeff, I did all of this shit all day. You stood here and looked out the window. And also, I I gave you uh, some bumps in my, my newspaper or magazine or something. Yeah. So you're welcome. And he's like, eh, shut up. Like, that's pretty much all he says to her. I don't listen to dames. Exactly. She even organized this visitation from clearly a prestigious chef. Yeah. For his well, birthday. Or are you talking about in the past? No, this is when she visits and she's in the dress or whatever. And she says, oh. oh. I think that was just a... I think the restaurant was prestigious, but I think the person that came was a waiter. Not oh, that that matters. Okay, I see. Yeah, so in that case, she brings this restaurant to him and, like, cooks and all this stuff. This is, this is when we meet Doyle as well, right? Nope. Am I getting my timeline wrong? I think so. I didn't really write the... So they're, they're not having dinner yet. We just briefly meet Lisa. Yeah, because the Thorwalds haven't had their argument yet. Oh, okay. I see. Thanks for getting me on track. Mm-hmm. Thorwald argument. You want to talk about it? Basically in the night in the thunderstorm here? Sure. Or am I jumping all over? K- kind of. Oh, we didn't shit. finish talking about the dinner yet. And this really showed him being a huge dick. Well, I thought that... Okay. I see what you mean. I am now centered. I know where we're at. Talking about dinner, she shows up with dinner. She's, yes. So with dinner, very nice dress. And then he asks her about the dress and she starts actually talking about it or what her companion was wearing. And then she realizes he's making fun of her because he doesn't actually care. And then he has that long monologue about how she wouldn't make it in the jungle because she can't fit enough into a suitcase. And that you might eat bugs and stuff. And you, lobsters are bugs. Yeah. And that's what she brought. She's eating bugs right now. Take that, Jeff. Sea <laughs> bugs. And then they watch the ballerina. Because he's ogling the ballerina for some reason while his girlfriend's over. Like the entire movie. Yeah. Every time she's around. Yeah. Creepy. And she, the ballerina has three men over. And this is characterization for Grace Kelly and uh, Lisa. And it made me feel like, oh, heck yeah, strong female character. Till the end of the movie. But she's talking about how it looks like the ballerina looks like she's juggling wolves. I didn't get the setup right, but she talks about the scene with the men. Jeff says it resembles her apartment, or she says it resembles her apartment. 
And then Lisa says, oh, that's the toughest part of a woman's job, juggling wolves. And how she doesn't enjoy it. And he's like, how do you know? And Lisa says, well, it resembles my apartment. So mm. I thought that was really like, heck yeah, Lisa. Break yeah. up with this dude. He's old enough to be your dad. Yes. And she does try to, or allude to, they have a fight. They do have a fight. Because they she makes dinner, which she got at great expense, and made it. And she's like, what do you think of the dinner? And he looks at it and says, oh, it's perfect. As always. And is just so disdainful of this thing she did for him. And then they have that argument about different lifestyles. And what's really frustrating is that she tells him that with all of her connections, she can get him a real cushy job in New York. And he doesn't want to. He's an adventurer, you know. And that much, it's like, fine. Okay, he can be... A character who, at their root, is born to roam. But then she says, okay, well, I'll come with you. And he, to that, says, no, 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 you can't. You can't hack it. You know, you'll eat bugs. Their argument just evolves into her saying, like, well, if you want to be so vicious, then I'll leave. And he's like, "Ah, what? You were being vicious. I wasn't being vicious. He's a horrible dick. Yeah. And they leave. And she leaves and says, I won't be back for some time until tomorrow. Uh, and then she comes back. But th- this guy sucks. I, I really dislike Jeff. We now see the uh, storm. In the yeah. Did you have any other other points about how much you dislike Jeff? Any reasons? No, I was just trying to collect my thoughts before we moved on. Yeah, uh, the next thing we hear is a storm. And there's a th- thunderstorm. The temp is still spiked. And Jeff hears a woman scream, don't, from across the way. And we get to see Thorwald come and go from his apartment multiple times. This sequence I was a fan of because the clock is moving forward, you know. He's falling asleep, drifting in and out, still storming. So it feels like this long night of uh, mystery and, and creepiness that you don't know what's going on really. And what plays in a big way is that you see Thorwald leave his apartment at a certain point because he's bringing a suitcase back and forth. And the final time he leaves, he's with a woman uh, coming out of their apartment and you don't see her face or anything, but he walks out the apartment with a woman during which Jeff is asleep. So when that happens, he gets it in his mind that she's dead because he actually didn't see a person. And he kind of goes to, you know, Try and solve it out now, so to speak. The whole uh, evening time scene, this thunderstorm scene, was kind of where the movie started to pick up for me. Because up to this point, it had just been angry man sitting in an apartment berating different women. You know? Yeah. When the mystery kicks in, that's good. Stella comes back the next morning, and he tries to describe it to her. And she's like, you're silly. You're crazy. Mm -hmm. And And same with... Grace Kelly, mm-hmm. when she comes back. Gosh, I, I feel like there's so many details about the courtyard that I'm forgetting throughout this sequence. You know, there's this whole movie, the summary is really quick, but the whole movie has so many moments where you'll watch the neighbors do stuff and kind of build up who these people are in your own isolated 
view of them, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big things of the movie that I like so much, but it's not all integral to the plot, so I don't really recall how it locks in, you know? Yeah, I'd agree. Can we go back to Stella? Yeah. Okay, so I think this does a good job of showing how good her intuition is. She says, stop sleeping in that chair. How do you know I was sleeping in that chair? Your eyes are bloodshot. So she's able to pick up on a lot, and she's a nurse. And she calls herself not an educated woman, which, wonder what that means to 1950s nurses? Because nowadays, nurses are very educated people. Mm-hmm. She just kind of got lucky and landed a gig. Yeah. No idea. She's like, I just show up and rub cream on this dude's back. Yeah. I have to wear a white outfit when I'm at the hospital, and bam, I'm a nurse. <laughs> That looks like a vein. Bam. <laughs> That's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just guesswork. So this was another, hey, get me that thing. So he has her get him the telephoto lens. And this is when the true weirdness begins. He gets another peeping Tom talk. But he's like, eh. Blah, blah, blah. And using the telephoto lens and shooing away his nurse, he watches um, Thor, Thormund? Thorwald? Thorwald, yeah. Thank you. Wrapping up some blocks. Blades. Blades. I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> so he uses uh, he uses the telephoto lens. And she might still be here for this. He's looking into the kitchen. And he sees Thorwald with some long knives. And the nurse is like, don't you have knives? You, But you've had hundreds of knives. Swords. Throughout that argument, though, I always thought, like, yeah... Everybody's got knives, but that was a fucking machete in that guy's apartment. That was a machete. It was as big as his arm. It was a sword. And you've told me many times we can't have a machete. Yes. Messed up. It's it's I'm If the epidemic gets worse (laughs) and we're looking at an apocalypse scenario. They're going to be out of machetes. (laughs) That'll be too late to get a machete. Okay, you've convinced me. We'll get a machete. But we got to keep it away from our cat. Ooh, he'd use a machete on us. Yeah, he'd kill us and if we realize. Had, had some beef, didn't give him any, he'd be livid. But not too much beef. As soon as he realized uh, that the food is not infinite and that we replace it for him, then that's when he would learn his mistake and it'd be like an episode of Twilight Zone. <laughs> like, no. There was kibbles now. <laughs> I finally had kibbles. <laughs> Then he would eat our bodies. <laughs> Starting at the cheeks. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he sees the salesman while he's kissing Grace Kelly. So she comes back. Yes. Sorry. No, so I, I have the same exact thing. Because there's this scene. She's like rubbing her lips all over his face. Yeah. And really trying to get some smooching done. And this was funny to me because he's... He's describing everything he's seen, and she's sewing up on it, and she just doesn't care at all. But the level of obsession is really funny. And the following scene, uh, or the argument, because she stops kissing and starts admonishing him for being so obsessed and being a peeping Tom. And I just had the thought of, like, Dee and Charlie from It's Always Sunny arguing, uh, because she's like, why do you think he would be a murderer, Jeff? He's like, well... 
he's being nonchalant. That's where he's being clever. And she's like, that's where he's being clever. Are you kidding me? Like, it just seemed like so much of this, this over the top bickering where they're talking over each other and uh, just a really silly argument. But ultimately the scene ends with Grace Kelly noticing a large trunk in the bedroom, which has uh, convinced her that there's a body in it. Yeah, because it's tied with ropes. Yes, tell me everything you know. Um, This kind of highlights another clever use of the set. So, A, coming and going from his apartment during the storm establishes, like, okay, that's where his apartment is. We can see him in the hallway. You can see when he goes downstairs and there's a blind spot. You can see him in the street. And this is the field of view of all the other people, too. So when risky things happen later on, you definitely get the sense they're in full view of everybody else. It's risky. And then also, um, we see this trunk after the bedroom blinds have been lifted, finally. Yes. Because in the sh- in the movie, they've been closed for hours and hours, like a full day. In this heat? Yeah, it's and it's so bizarre. So He's... when things like that happen, when windows open and close, it's uh, it's an event, which is cool. Much like the windows are the eyes of the house, so the house soul. House soul. That's well said. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he signs away the package, and a doctor comes, or someone comes. Yeah. It, they seem doctorly. I don't know. To pick up the crate you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it just seems like he's signing away a package. And then he goes down to the garden. And he's nice to the dog. Yeah. That was real real good and real subtle. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of. I was very nervous. Yeah. When he was coming down, the dog was digging. Thought he was going to scrunch it. Mm-hmm. Grab its neck. Just, ooh. But, uh, again, this tiny little thing that's so, such a major seed of doubt in the story. You know, because you're like, ah, oh, this dude's got to kill that dog. Particularly because one of the neighbors shooed the dog away. Like, get out of here, he's going to come down. And you're like, oh, fuck, what will he do to the dog? He's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But no, none of that happens. Um, so basically, it's like a little twist. Yeah. It is nice to the dog, yeah. which is cool. Uh, essentially, after this is when he calls over Doyle. And he gives him the rundown. And they're talking and talking. And at about six is when he left the apartment with the woman. And Jeff admits he was sleeping at that point, so maybe there's something he missed. So that's another seed of doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wants Doyle to break in, and Doyle talks about the Constitution and how they were war buddies. So it really ham fists, because Doyle comes in for the last forty minutes of the film. So to get him characterized, it's a lot of dialogue. You're lucky we were up there in that jet during the war. <laughs> it's just basically shit like that. Um, this is also when Lisa and Jeff really start bonding mm-hmm. uh, over the, solving the mystery. And she has a lot of ideas about how she could not be around because of all the jewelry and uh, her favorite handbag and stuff. So the the woman's intuition angle, yeah. which Doyle well, immediately gets sexist about. But. Doyle leaves once and comes back. And when uh, he comes back is this female intuition line. And she's got her sleepover kit. Yes. And he eyes the sleepover kit, and they're all drinking brandy. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it, I guess you warm brandy in a snifter, 
But the direction of this scene ended up getting so silly because they all have the goblet in their hands and they're just shaking it constantly while talking. They didn't take a single break. They're trying to be serious. They're just swirling brandy in a cup. It's a really ridiculous shot. And it's hard to describe because it sounds sounds like we're cracking up over people drinking booze. You just have to see the scene where they're all nodding and talking in sync swirling this brandy. It's it's really funny. Um, this is also kind of where more scenes of Jeff being a dick. He's not a nice guy. Yeah, he... But he's always in his pajamas, which I admire about him. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is a good point. I didn't notice that. Lisa comes over to spend the weekend, you know, like they... Sexually. They click on this mystery thing finally after, There's only one bed. Ooh. Okay, I'm done. Uh, I'm done. Very I'm scandalous done. for the 50s. Uh, scandalous marked by Doyle seeing her pajamas and giving, like, 50 different raised eyebrows to Jeff. And Jeff constantly being like, mind your business, Doyle. But when she first shows up, Jeff basically spends two or three minutes of screen time telling her that he doesn't want her there, doesn't want her to be around, and she's imposing in a big way. Which is messed up. Yeah, it's rude as shit. Like, clearly, clearly he does, and he's just keeping some power move over or something. It's annoying as shit. So I dropped one rubber band, and when I went to pick it up, there were two rubber bands. Mm, sounds like there was one down there from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Or there's some sort of duplicating machine (laughs) under a coffee table. (laughs) Put Pugsley down there. (laughs) He wouldn't get along with his clothes. (laughs) They'd both go to lay in the same spot. They'd fight for the same corners of the couch. Then the losing one would just slink off. So. I can't. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So she comes over to spend the night, and she puts on her nice outfit, and then what do they notice in the courtyard that makes her... A dog screams. Oh, Well, the dog dog. doesn't scream. A woman screams because the dog is killed. Thank you. So they're about to settle down for the night. Sexually. Yes. In the same bed. One bed. And it looked like a twin. Yeah. Was that his bed, or was that just kind of where... Well, so I had this gripe in big quotation marks i don't know how well apartments work but he said i'm stuck here in this two-bedroom apartment or two-room apartment sorry excuse me but he had a very clearly separated kitchen and a bathroom that's three rooms i guess but the the kitchen was separated but it was really just it looked very tight and it was like a shelf yeah like an alcove so maybe that's why this is a completely different topic I watched this YouTube video about a woman who lived in a 700-square-foot apartment in New York. Oh. Or, no, I'm sorry, 250-square-foot apartment in New York. That's less than half the size. That was $700 a month in the middle of Manhattan. Jesus. Yeah. Could she, like, 250 square feet. I don't even have a concept. I think that's the size of our spare spare bedroom. What? Uh Uh-huh. She had a hot plate instead of a kitchen. And then she hit her knee, and she was a small woman whenever she would try to go to the bathroom. And she had a lofted bed. And the first night she slept there, she had a panic attack because it was too tight. 
Yeah, Jesus. My God. Seven. Fuck no. Um, I'm very grateful for our Midwest prices, even Mm -hmm. though they are fucked up. Well, it's high here, but if we lived in central Wisconsin. Yeah. That's for our next podcast, uh, living in an apartment in Wisconsin, which will be very informative to a very specific group of people. So. Strangled ass dog. Dog dies. And the owner of the dog has a really unreasonable rant, in my opinion. So the dog dies, and there's a dead dog in the middle of the courtyard, and a neighbor goes out and puts it in the basket because they have a pulley system to lower it down. And everyone runs to their windows like, oh my god. And she's up there just screaming at how they're all horrible neighbors, and no one gives a damn about anybody, and why would you hate my dog? It's just like... So she's talking to someone specific, but she's targeting it at everybody. And it felt like so overblown to me. But now that I talk about it, I think maybe it's all directed at the person she suspects of having killed her dog. Possibly. And the striking image... Oh, what? No, go ahead. I was just going to say the striking image is that everyone's at their windows. And as Jeff points out, not everybody, because Lars... Uh, is in his apartment. Lars. Yes. Thank you. And you just see his cigar cherry glowing in the dark. So mysterious. Another dickish thing we forgot to mention about Jeff is that the piano man was playing a nice melody and Lisa says something about it being a melody for them. And Jeff says something like, oh, that's why it sucks. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah, just so ridiculously mean. (laughs) And... If if you had those little barbs at me constantly, I don't know. Yeah, it's he's like negging. He's negging her and gaslighting all the time. Like it, it's exhausting to watch these two talk because it's so rooted in uh, women can't live with them, can't live without them. They're terrible. This guy is going through a lot dealing with this dame. You know, it all feels staged like that, Mm -hmm. which is just dated and dumb. It's very dated. Also, the happy newlywed couple, he seemed to smile when they came through, but when their shades were shut, and she's like, what about that window? He's like, ah, (laughs) that's the worst window here. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that window. (laughs) Oh, I should do a better Jimmy... He doesn't sound like Jimmy Stewart in this one, if that makes sense. I think he doesn't get enough consecutive dialogue. But he's got... I can't do it. Yeah, I I couldn't do an impression of that guy from the movie if we if I tried. I would just do a normal voice. Again, my dad could do an impression. A great one, I bet. The nurse Stella and Lisa want to go check out the flower bed, right? Because they've got it in their heads that... Uh, there's something buried there. They compare yes. photos. And Stella and Lisa were there at the same time because Lisa slept over. Over. They took the relationship to the next level despite Jeff's drastic attempts to end it. But on the bright side, she's less virtuous. Yes. So now she's less perfect. <laughs> and She's slunk down to his level. I suppose it... Definitely seems that way because it is very much meeting him at his level. 
He he makes no changes. <laughs> no. And she makes many changes. And well, he breaks another. No, spoiler alert! He breaks another leg at the end of the movie. Right. So that's a huge character change. That's very drastic character change. Uh, they get it in their head that there's something buried in the flower bed. Because the dog Stella brings this up again. Yeah. Dog was digging there because the dog smelt something. Oh wait, never mind. Jeff brought it up because he has the telephotos and he saw that the marigolds were shorter. <laughs> yeah, he noticed the camera in his in his shot that the uh, the flowers were shorter, so they go down there um, and they have... They being Lisa and Stella. Lisa no and Jeff. Stella. They draw Lars out with a note. Yes. And this was some inconsistency that annoyed me because Jeff says multiple times, now we can't go look at it, you'll put yourself in danger. And then he sends his girlfriend over to this supposed killer's apartment with a threatening note. And she just barely gets away in time. And then um, they dig up the flower bed and there's nothing there. Oh. You forgot to mention that he called him off to a bar because he said they're meeting. Oh, yes. So he called them. So if if that guy's star six is, that's Jeff's number. Yes, which uh, I think he did. Yeah. So he goes off to the bar, and then Lisa has this crazy flight of fancy to get into the apartment. So she impresses Jeff by going all uh, Indiana Jones style, climbing up the fire escape and basically jumping into the open window. And uh, they... What happened? Oh, they get distracted by Miss Lonely Hearts. Yeah. We forgot to mention a different scene, two other scenes with her, but she has a fake date and ends up crying herself to sleep. Then she has a fella come over and he tries to go too far too fast, so she kicks him out and also cries. And then she's got a bunch of red pills that Stella says are sleeping pills. She's going to take a big handful of them, so they call the cops. Yes. But Stella says, ring Lars's apartment. So Lisa knows to get away, but they're on hold with the police when we see Lars come up. Yeah, and this is a cool way of incorporating the alleyway because they establish that we can see Lars through the alleyway, so we know when he's out of the building, we can see when he's coming back. But this event with Miss Lonely Hearts with the sleeping pills, we don't get to see the alleyway, right? So no one's paying attention until it's way too late. And then the cops pick up and they direct uh, the cops to Lars's apartment because Miss Lonely Hearts hears some music, decides not to commit suicide, and uh, is moved by the piano music. Of the piano man who played the, ooh, that's terrible. Yeah, the song for us? No, ooh, I hate it. <laughs> Ockers. Stella, or Luz, Lisa, geez, so many names. Lisa Three. gets arrested. <laughs> for breaking in but that's fine that's their getaway plan and this is one of my favorite moments of the movie she points to the wedding ring on her finger she stole it from Lars's apartment Lars sees her pointing realizes it's a signal and finally looks across the courtyard and locks eyes with the camera and this is my favorite scene because really as soon as you realize that he's a peeping Tom just spying on everybody, particularly things he shouldn't be seeing. You think, when is one of these people going to look up and look at him? 
and finally it happens and it was effective you know he's got this grim look straight across the courtyard and we know the jig is up uh so yeah pretty tense do you kind of want to wrap us up here earlier in the night Lars had called Doyle, got the babysitter, said, hey, call back. And then Doyle comes with uh, the sixth precinct because they're assaulting a woman. Mm-hmm. And they get Lisa bailed out. Yes. Or something. And for some reason, Jeff knows exactly how much a first offense robbery should cost to bail someone out. Yeah, that was weird, but I kind of took it as, uh, you know, he's kind of gritty, worldly, or whatever. He's seen some shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the cops are over there. They're around, and Thorwald marches over, and he's uh, he's going to attack Jeff, it seems like. But before he... Because uh, we see him coming over, so Jeff prepares. Doesn't lock the door, but he gets a bunch of flashbulbs. Yeah, I guess he had stairs up to his door, but I think in that scenario I probably would have risked hurting my leg a bit to uh, hop up some steps on my good leg and lock the door. Yeah. But he chose not to. But he's got the flashbulbs. It's a pretty good scene because Thorwald keeps menacing over and Flash, he blinks. For some reason, he doesn't close his eyes as he tries to walk over there. Yeah, he just keeps getting blasted. He gets flash-bombed like three times. And I thought he was going to choke Jeff to death, like strangle. But he's going to instead drop him from the second-story window? Yeah, he... Second-story window? He Definitely second-story only. And he started by choking him. Mm-hmm. But it was apparently only to get him a little weakened so he could move him to the window, and uh, that gives Jeff enough time to start screaming for the cops who just arrived, and uh, he's dropped. Cop breaks his fall, and they are right about Thorwald all along. Yeah. Killed his wife. He was buried in the flower bed. But Something the dog was got suspicious. Bed, yeah. yeah. So he moved it. It's like, oh. Okay, ending, I guess. Oh, in the last scene, you want to... Yeah, it pans over the courtyard, and we see everyone again. And we see Piano Man and Miss Lonely Hearts over there, and she says, oh, I can't tell you what your music means to me. So they're in love, and love has saved her from suicide. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) And then the neighbors who slept on their balcony, they have a new puppy that they're training. The ballerina who was constantly spied on. Uh, has her boyfriend coming home from war. We see the artist, artisting, and we don't really see Parakeet Lady again, but then the newlywed couple is bickering. Yeah. Which, like, okay. <laughs> and now that Lisa has an arrest record, she's good enough for Jeff. Yeah. She's <laughs> lying there uh, reading this Himalaya book. Both his legs are broken now. Yeah, his fall. His attempted murder broke his other leg. Could you imagine? Having... 14 weeks indoors? <laughs> Sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, at the end of the movie, quite it, it's supposed to be like cute, I think, but it's another little slap in the face when Lisa notices that Jeff is asleep and then swaps to the fashion magazine. Yeah. And it's like... She hasn't changed a bit. 
Yeah, right. Well, it's not that she <laughs> She's wearing trousers and a collared shirt, but it's... she still likes fashion. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> it's just that she has to hide what she seemingly really cares about, and it's supposed to be cute and coy, but really it's just, just after everything else that Jeff did throughout the movie, I could see him being legitimately annoyed with her enjoying fashion magazines. It's like, I thought you just read Himalaya adventure books now. What's your fucking problem? Put that magazine down. She's like, sorry, honey. Yeah. Also, why are they hanging out in his lower Manhattan apartment when we know she has a place on 63rd? And if they're shacking up now, can't they just go over there? Yeah, well, that's not the life Jeff wants. He doesn't want the 63rd Ave apartment. He's on 63rd Ave. No. She's on Park. 63rd. Because at one point she says... Upper Manhattan. Lower Manhattan isn't very well-to-do. 63rd is Upper Manhattan? Oh. I thought what I'm... do you want? 11th and 5th? <laughs> Where are you at? 10th and 4th? 11 up and 1 over, you simple bitch. <laughs> I thought at one point she said, Oh, you can see me all the way from down here on 63rd. But maybe she was saying you can see me all the way up on 63rd from down here or whatever. Mm. When he was talking about looking out his window. In any case, you're right. He's in a shitty apartment. She's in a super swank apartment. And I think it's really... Seinfeld lived on 30th, I think. Oh, really? That's some Midtown? trivia. He's he Midtown, Midtown. Right by uh, the park. I believe it. And then um, Stella talked about Broadway. So they're, they're definitely all in Manhattan, at least. And Manhattan's like the priciest one. Yeah. So... Do you want to kind of... Yeah, likes, dislikes. Likes, dislikes, all that stuff. Do you want to watch me pull out this hair from my mm, head? Yes. Oh, really? I'll watch while okay, I... Okay, uh, I'll do it then. Yeah, I wasn't going to do it, but now I'll do it. So... You have to watch. I'm watching. Um, hey, watch, mom, mom. <laughs> okay, the hair's gone. Oh my god, you actually pulled it out. You said... You didn't have to. Sometimes I get these really coarse hairs, and my mom says the coarse ones are what turns into grays. Oh, yeah? So I just get rid of them. Have you ever let one go and see if that's true? No. (laughs) The compulsion is too strong. Uh, The things I like about this movie are things that are not relevant to the plot. So all the best parts of the movie... Perhaps the direction is what you like? I guess, yeah. And the the world building, for uh-huh. as silly as that sounds, as being in a one courtyard in Manhattan. No, for sure. Just all the shit that everyone's getting up to, and everything they're doing in their apartments, and how much of their lives we get to see in their apartments. It, it's really enjoyable to watch, and all the mystery and things that are built up is enjoyable to watch. But what is actually happening in the plot, and everything that we spent most of the episode talking about just so we all were on the same page is like yeah he is bedridden thinks someone kills her husband or kills her wife maybe isn't right is right like that's pretty much the whole movie yeah but and then he's a huge sexist in between yeah and all the enjoyment is in the details that you get to see while doing it so this is one that's kind of hard to say like i what i want to say is i know the summary was probably not Super exciting, but yeah. it's worth a watch, in my opinion. Oh, it's a good... It's a classic. Yeah. Hitchcock, clack, you got the fudge. What do you like about it? I liked... 
I don't know, it was a captivating movie. We talked about this kind of because, again, we paused it like five times to get up, pee, get new drink, pee. And it held our attention. It was it was a lot easier to watch than Passive uh, Glory to me. And what year was this one? 61 or 51? 54. 54. This was 54, and... This was 54, and Paths of Glory was 57. Mm, wow. So... And Kubrick. I mean, Kubrick is... He loves the long shot. Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> but, but what do you like about where would, though? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the lack of long shots, I guess. Yeah, it's it's tighter and so it's tight. Kind of goes goes along at a better clip. I liked all the brandy shaking. Brandy shaking was funny. I liked Grace Kelly. Yes, Grace Kelly. She was good too. I I guess it's these older movies. I always think, is this going to be a lame acting thing? And this felt natural, I suppose. Doyle, I caught a couple times, so it was excusable for Jeff because he's literally stuck in a chair. But some of the Doyle scenes, he stopped moving and was just stoic. And I guess he was staring out a window. But the acting in the body of these people felt very stiff, very early movie, before they started having more movement in the characters' actions. Cool. But uh, Lisa just looks so graceful, so... Graceful Kelly. She ended up being the Prince of Monaco. Princess of Monaco. Yeah, you told me during the during the movie. I did not know that. Yeah, lovely uh, woman. She died in nineteen eighty nine. Really? How'd you know that? I googled it. Oh, cool. That's also, well, how I know she's a princess. That's a lot of deets. What did you princess. dislike? Princess. Uh, I disliked how sexist it was. I disliked <laughs> three editing things. One of them, Jimmy Stewart's delivering a line. And he kind of mucks the words up a little bit. Because the caption... We watch movies with captions. If you don't like that, tweet at us at rmr <laughs> underscore podcast on twitter.com. Go to rookiemoviereviews.com. Gmail, rookiemoviereview at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook to fight us. Because we watch movies with captions. And the captions were one sentence, but the way Jimmy Stewart delivered them was classic Stewart. And he... <laughs> I don't even remember what he said, but it made me go, like, they didn't want to reshoot that one. Yeah, she. this is when she wants to go across the street to investigate the flower bed. He's like, what are you, you going... You're going down... You're going down there, pretty much? And she's like, geez, get it together, Jimmy. But, you know, like... Part of me is like, well, it was delivered bad. But the other part is... Maybe he was truly flustered. It's kind of natural, you know? Yeah. And then when he's falling out the window, that's the worst shit I've ever seen. Yeah, they... Should have just... So I think they were just trying to keep everything from the window. Everything happening from the window. Mm-hmm. But for fuck's sake... They didn't have the tech for that shit. Yeah, could have just shown Thorwald throwing his body out. You didn't have to watch Jimmy and his face fall down, which is clearly a still image, shrunk down frame by frame. And then it cuts to a cop catching him outside the window. So why not take all of us as the audience from the moment Thorwald picks him up and places him over the balcony, 
put all of us outside the window because we are Jeff. Yeah. And then have like a dummy fall. Yeah, or even have it from have the camera like in the door. Yeah. Doorway in the apartment. And we just see Thorwald throw it over and you hear the scream and you see him looking out the window at his handiwork or whatever. And then the camera could push through and look down, you know, and then you would see him caught by the cop and he's okay. Yeah. Just anything. There's many better ways to film that that don't look like shit. Yeah. Hitchcock, rise from your grave <laughs> and tweet at us. <laughs> Get the Necronomicon. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to take care of this. But I also, I really enjoyed Shia LaBeouf's performance in this movie. Back on the Disturbia bit. Uh-huh. I will watch it. I've never seen it. Or that Riri song. Yes. This time, Took on the form of Rihanna herself. Did right I? Wow. I would agree on the dislikes. Characterization is uh, uninteresting to me. I'm in it for the, I'm in it for the mystery, and I'm in it for the setting. And I think it's a cleverly made movie. And I think the story is tight enough. It's got enough twists to be interesting. It's not groundbreaking or anything. You know, but it's good and tense and all that, so. I didn't get to talk about my third thing. Oh, what was your third thing? The brandy swirling. The brandy swirling. That's a big negative for me. It just, it's, rips you out of the moment. If this movie came out, that's, today, that scene would be a meme. That scene would get memed. Yes. I'm going to meme it right now. I'm a millennial. Yeah, no one's down you. Just make a gif out of it. You said that weird. Gif? Gif? Yep, I'm sure. I'm sure that's how you actually say it. Okay. They didn't even know what gifs were back then. They thought it was peanut butter. Did, did they even know what, you know, uh, barely, I don't think they even had film. Kind of lost the thread and I was trying to come up with something. But I couldn't. So that's what we got. <laughs> Stan. You want to rate this thing? You stand that? It's Stan. Oh. Um, I don't stand it at all. I disown it. I dislike it and I hate it. But it's Stan. Let's rate it. Alright, one, two, three, seven, seven and a half. Seven and one quarter. I will go down to seven. Very well. I feel more satisfied with seven than a seven and a half. Okay. Cool. Yeah, well, you got our social meads in there. Social meads. That's Thanks what the kids call Thanks for listening. If you listened. And bye now. Bye-bye.